0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 116, Maturity is Not an Option.
1: Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle expert, Pretty much head to toe Argyle today, my husband, Matt Krieg.
0: Hey, thank you for the shout out.
1: I don't, I don't know how one's head gets argyle yeah, but... I
0: can cut that pattern into my hair, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be next be week.
1: But we also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Today, I am super excited to talk with a guest who is the father of the sons we had on this podcast this season, Sam and Blaine Eldridge. That was the episode on Why Male friendships can be so challenging which you guys gave us some great feedback about that one it really impacted I know everyone in this room and many of you listeners they were incredible guests and I'm sure the father of those sons is too and who is that well that's John Eldridge of course welcome John
2: Ta-da! Now the dad gets to
1: be on. I do a lot of speaking, and my own dad does speaking, and he thinks it's hilarious when he gets introduced as Lori Krieg's dad, but he's precious. Uh, But for those of you who don't know John, he is a best-selling author, a counselor, and a teacher, and he's also the president of Ransomed Heart, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God recover their own hearts in God's love and learn to live in God's kingdom. And he recently released the book, Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad, which that's the first book of yours that I've actually read. And guys, oh man it is so very needed right now and you you know I actually wasn't a fan of yours John until uh, someone sent me your spiritual warfare podcast episodes that you did last summer and I've probably sent them to at least 20 or 30 different people I've linked to them on this episode but it was so theologically rich but just really necessary for right now which so much of what you're doing is uh, which is why <laughs> before we start recording I'm like John I love listen to your voice all the time through your podcast and through your pause app and so (laughs) thank you so much for really what you guys are doing is putting some meat on emaciated faith and you are helping us dive into this 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 call that you say to us that maturity is no longer an option so thank you john
2: i'm really grateful that you found us um love what you guys are doing too i mean you're out there trying to get people deeper and help people get dialed in into a genuine life in God. So thank you.
1: Oh, man, it's a privilege. Okay, before we dive into uh, the reason that we're doing this particular episode, we're going to talk about just a little bit lighter, but still deep. But John, what's your favorite verse right now?
2: Uh, Psalm 1 in the New Living Translation, verse 3. They are like trees planted Mm. along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Mm. It's like that is filled with so much longing for me. I want to be that tree.
1: Mm. Mm. I feel you. Man, so guys, what John just answered is our question of the week from last week. And if you guys want to answer that, I put it out on the socials of uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Um, and so you guys responded. Uh, Steve, which listener response resonated with your heart as far as which verse is their favorite right now?
0: Yeah, I really liked what Holly said. Uh, she said, this is always my favorite. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Uh, She says, I visualize Jesus touching me and his love and power, a powerful hope scripture to me. I can't read it with dry eyes.
1: Oh, that's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Matt, what verse is hitting your heart these days?
0: Um, I think the verse that that really has most recently stuck out is Psalm 16, verse 11. It's the last verse, and it just says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And I just remember reading the first 10 verses of that psalm and wanting to throw my Bible across the room because it was like 3 in the morning. I had woken up from a dead sleep and was just really wrestling with kind of almost despair Mm. And then that that verse just stuck out like a beacon because I mean that that's the reason that's one of the reasons we can weather kind of the storms is because we've been promised like God's presence mm.
1: forever mm. I loved this from a different uh, different John on our Facebook hole in my heart podcast page and he said second corinthians 4 we We're afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison Someone else sent me those verses yesterday, and they just said, Lori, read this. And I was just really like, Jesus, this call you've put on our lives to engage sexuality with the hope of the gospel is so hard. It just feels like too much. But when I read that 2 Corinthians 4, and I I feel and I anticipate this weight of glory, it just, I get so excited. Um, But... There's also more than just this hope of this future hope and one day we get to escape all this pain, there really are practices that we can do today that I've implemented from your book, John Eldridge now speaking to, uh, that have really liberated me. And so I'm excited to to talk about some of the, the specifics of how, you know, we don't just have to live so weighted down. Uh, but there are some some real things that we can do today. Uh, but before we get into those specific things, the purpose purpose of us doing this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so we ask every guest this set of questions, which is, if the gospel is, I'm more loved than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe. When was that gospel first good news for you, John? And how is it still?
2: Yeah, it's such a beautiful question. <clears throat> so I was in the drug culture of the 70s back in LA, kind of the hippie movement. And I was really spiritually hungry. Um, mm-hmm. My life was a wreck. I was uh, got kicked out of high school. Um, but I was spiritually searching. I was reading everything I could get my hands on. I was <clears throat> into Eastern mysticism. And then uh, Native American spirituality, the New Age movement, um, but I was aware uh, the core thing was um, it, as a human being, I, I was not a loving person. I was not. I was not good. I just knew it. I'm not good. And one night I prayed. Um, I had read some things about Jesus. I had never had the gospel shared with me, but He just showed up in my bedroom. Hmm. And uh, I just said, Jesus, I don't know what to do, but I think you do. Please help. Mm. And that—that that was it. <clears throat> that was my encounter prayer. And He was so real, His love, His presence um, in deep brokenness and addiction and and uh, mm. dishonesty and everything that was in my life at that time. <clears throat> and He ra- my conversion was was very very. Radical in my hometown, wow. um, people couldn't believe that I, I became a Christian. Wow! But uh, but I found him. He found me. <laughs> uh, total total turnaround in my life. Hmm. And um, that's beautiful. I think I you know to say today and how is it still good news now? Like more than ever, I am realizing love is the point. Love is center. And I need transformation. I I need to be transformed into what he's like. And so I crave that. I pray for it. And he and I are working on that.
1: I love it. I love that we have that second question because it just reminds those of us who listen and we're like, oh man, well then, you know, the John Eldridge came to Christ and now he's like this saint. Which I mean, you are a saint, but you're not perfect. Uh, And so I so appreciate that. And and those of us who are listening on this end, when you talked about like your drug culture uh, use, we're just reminded of we've had um, Dan Allender on here and Ken Boa, and uh, I think they referred to Larry Crabb. You guys have similar testimonies and it's pretty amazing how god really broke through in in you guys life.
2: Yeah, yeah, he really did. He came after us hard.
1: <laughs> so, John, you have been starting your podcast with this phrase, which is the title of the episode for us today and it's includes maturity is not an option. Why have you been saying that?
2: Well, I I think because I I kept dancing around the deeper issues. It, it just felt like we were needing to entertain our listeners and hmm. and entertain the body of Christ, and just always have a, a happy little thought. And and I just thought, this is madness. This is huh. absolute madness because the world that we live in right now. This is a very very brutal time to be a human being. It's a it, um, the assault on our humanity, uh, which we'll unpack, I'm sure today. It, wholeheartedness is your only way out. I mean, even if you just want to survive the the, the sexual madness of yeah. our hour yeah, and, and the assault on our humanity in that way, like wholeheartedness, immaturity is the only safe place. So mm. I've started saying that because it feels like the kind thing to say to people is you can't. You can't dink around with your life anymore, dear ones. Like maturity is your rescue.
1: Yep. Yes, it is. So I have said, you know, a similar, maybe more cynical and snarky phrase on stages, which is, that we are becoming spiritually emaciated and emotionally thin, just especially our generation, but maybe everyone. And we see this in our increased anxiety and depression and just this longing for God that just feels like it's, we get teaspoons of it, as opposed to like really drinking from the fullness of God. And I don't say that to shame us, but I say to be like, why, why are we this way? And some of us, when we say things like that, will like allude to technology, but because we're so addicted, (laughs) And because if we say something about technology it doesn't get us any likes on technology Uh, right but in your book in in your new book you talk up you dive into no let's let like you're doing on your podcast let's just call it what it is we have an issue can can you unpack that a little bit how has technology pushed us to be spiritually emaciated and emotionally thin
2: you know, it was, it was two. It was the intersection of two other books. I was reading Nicholas Carr's book, *The Shallows*, yeah, uh, what the internet's doing to our brains, and I was reading Stephen Crawford's book, uh, *The World Outside Your Head*. <clears throat> what Crawford was pointing out was that it's not just technology; it is the incessant assault on our attention. Our attention is constantly being grabbed by. You know, this notification and that advertisement and um, you, can't, you can't go anywhere. You know, the digital billboards and the television uh, that now is in gas station pumps that starts playing ads at you, our, our attention is under assault mm. and technology is the X factor. Like, you know, you're carrying around this little computer in your hand all day.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but then Nicholas Carr was pointing out in terms of the neurochemistry It is literally shattering your concentration span, your attention span. That our our ability to give anything our attention, anything, uh, our children, our spouse, let alone God, right, is being eroded. And so we 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 we've all been caught up in this. This is our moment. The assault on our attention, and the reason that it makes you thin, is. Oh my goodness, you read any of the saints down through the ages, and they will tell you that the Christian transformation, the, the the rescue of your soul hinges on, on our ability to give God our attention. Hmm.
1: So here we are <laughs> before even reading your book and maybe even starting to like dive into your podcast, etc., I there were times I would picture. <laughs> Satan, bear with me, listeners, uh, but like something like a modern day screw tape letters. And and I could just picture him and talking to his minions and he's saying, how could we get the whole world distracted and addicted at the same time? And like if if we had envisioned all of our addiction, acceptable addiction, 30 years ago, we would have scoffed a year, maybe 40. I don't know. We'd have been like, no way. There's no way we could all do that. But how do you uh, view this assault on our attention through these spiritual warfare eyes?
2: Well, gang, you have to remember that the enemy hates you. Hmm. Um, And he doesn't sleep and he doesn't eat and he doesn't have a job. So 24 7, forces of darkness are looking for ways to destroy your humanity. It was the uh, Anglican. Bishop, years ago, 1800s, William Gurnall, I think, earlier than that, even said, it is the image of God in you that so er- enrages hell. Mm. It is against this that they throw their mightiest weapons. So, dear ones, you, you bear the image of God, yeah. and, and the enemy hates that. And so he is looking for tools— to erode your humanity and cut you off from the vine, yeah. separate you from your union with God, because then he can just, you know, as you were saying, just make you so emaciated that, yeah. that you're hardly living anymore. It's not just that he's glad to take a soul to hell later. He, he is trying to mar and ravage the human race now. And, and technology looks so benign it 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 literally looks morally neutral. It's like, well, you know, it depends on what you use it for. Um, and some of that's true. I mean, you and I are talking by technology right now. Right. Uh, however, the the in the fact that we're spending you know hours and hours and hours a day on our phones and ten hours a day consuming media, uh, it it is ravaging our humanity without us even knowing it. Yeah, And then people end up, you know, feeling really burnout and really thin and really shallow and unable to give their kids their attention and that sort of thing. And they don't know where it came from. They don't know what was happening to them. It's a, it's a brilliant ploy. Yep.
1: You know, it really stood out to me just how distracted I was when I would be sitting and waiting for something and I'm with my three-year-old and five-year-old and we're all waiting. And I'm going to, I want to pick up my phone. And my three-year-old has a longer ability to wait than I do. <laughs> yep. That was jarring to me. And so I, you know, in listening to some of your stuff, you know, because I wrestle with this, the reality of it of, okay, but God, I have a platform and the lingua franca of the day is social media. And it's this, you know, Paul had to write letters. Like, how do I actually live in balance? And so some of uh, one of your podcast conversations you had with one of your coworkers, he talked about deleting the mail app. So I did that that day. I was like, I am, that is my biggest Distractor for me is checking my mail all day long. And then I get stressed and then I read something that's mean or hard. And then I'm with my kids and then I'm a spaz attack and I bark at them and I shouldn't have. So it doesn't have to be flush your iPhone down the toilet, but it can be as simple as delete your mail app. And then I try and only check social media morning and night. And you know, those screen time checkers, doing those two simple things, John, I eliminated an hour and a half a day of screen time.
2: Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <It's>
1: so embarrassing. <laughs> Thank you. Well it's embarrassing. What do you do? John, how, what tech connection, like what have you done then to get your humanity back when it comes to your relationship with technology?
2: Simple things, um, because I have to use it too. So I, I, you know, as much as I want to have a monastic life. Right. Um, we all do. Yeah. Well, I'm online, you know, and, um, so i don't check my phone first thing in the morning i noticed that that was the that was the trap right there at the start of my day i would check my phone and then and you're immediately in the black hole right because yeah, it's the it's the text it's the news uh, announcement it's the latest this or crisis that so i don't check my phone first thing in the morning it's a discipline now mm. uh, i make it i make it sit there on the counter and and i don't make a cup of coffee say my prayers, look out the window, be a human being again. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. And then we don't take our phones into our bedroom. So no no technology in our bedroom. Mm. Uh, we can have real conversations. And when we go to sleep, I'm not looking at screens as the last thing before I go to bed. Yeah. Simple things like that.
1: Mm. You talk in your book about seeking restoration with God through nature. Like you just said, looking out the window, we all like looked around at each other, like what's the window, <laughs>
0: you know, Yeah. Uh,
1: but through slowness and presence versus ways so that we want to seek restoration like Netflix and sugar and that third glass of wine. Can you explain this tension?
2: Well, it's the tension between relief and restoration and the when we get so the world that we live in gets everybody really spun up. Yeah. I mean li- literally the cortisol and all that <clears throat> the dopamine loop you're just spun up mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually, even physically. So we want relief. And and the quick relief is to reach for the bag of cookies or the bottle of scotch mm-hmm. or binge watch, you know, your favorite show. But relief is very different from restoration. When you're done, you actually don't feel any better. Uh, oftentimes, you feel worse. You know, mm. two hours of video or whatever, you don't feel better. Mm. Uh, you bag of donuts, you know, you don't feel better. Right. And so, what I want to focus on is instead we reach for restoration. I, I, in my moment of I want relief, I just want a drink. I say no. What my soul really needs right now is is beauty or a moment of quiet I, I need to turn some music on or other practices that actually restore the soul yep. because that's the big fight right now that, that this chaotic moment that we live in it's really it's really quite a crazy making moment mm-hmm. in history is is assaulting your soul. And, and we have to be very, very intentional, therefore, to regularly seek the restoration of our souls. Uh, and, and I'm aware in the moment, I want to reach for relief, but what I need is restoration. So yesterday, it was all day. It was, it was meeting, 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 phone call, phone call, phone call, email, whoops, travel arrangements. I got to change those, all that. Mm. And at the end, uh, I was fried. I was just fried and I just wanted to eat and drink. <laughs> but instead, I'm like what I really need to do is take the dogs for a walk. Mm. And it was snowing here in Colorado and the weather was terrible. But I'm like, I have to do this because I know that this will actually restore my soul. Right. It was 20 minutes. I didn't spend hours in the woods with Jesus. It was 20 minutes. Yep. But it was
0: so refreshing. Mm. So that that's something that I mean, you you talk about kind of going through this process of you have the quick trigger that that you're like okay, gonna reach for something that's this relief, um, but then kind of doing this introspective work and saying hey, what do I really need? And really then being able to identify that that for you that restoration was was gonna go you know go walking the dogs outside. Um, I guess how did how did you learn to differentiate between? what is relief giving for you and what is actually restorative?
2: Well, uh, um, two things. One, we really need to pay attention to our inner life. If you're not in tune with your inner world, then the false self is going to compel you to do all kinds of stupid things. Hmm. Um, Answer emails you shouldn't answer, you know, all that. If you are aware, of your inner world, if you are dialed in even 10% to what you are actually feeling, you go, oh, I'm not, I'm actually not angry right now. I'm just really tired. Or, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling lustful right now. I'm actually really just sad. You, you tap into what your inner world is actually needing. That's one thing. Matt, the other thing is, is um, you shall know them by their fruit. It's the simplest test Jesus gave us for anything. You can hold that test up to governments, schools, churches, books, podcasts. You shall know them by their fruit. Uh, and I would look at the fruit of how do I feel after I eat all that chocolate? And I go, well, you know, while I was doing it, I felt great. Now I feel terrible. Mm. Uh, you shall know them by their fruit.
1: In your book, you talk about suffering and offering our suffering to God, and it reminded me of Elizabeth Elliot's book. Just you know, it was, it was it was published after she died, but just that suffering is never for nothing, and that um, that she talks about offering our suffering to God. Can you talk about this? Because after we the distractions are gone and we start to sit with ourselves. Like I've noticed, even with this extra hour and a half in my day, again, wow, uh, <laughs> I've noticed I'm like, man, my soul, my heart feels sad, and I don't even know why, uh, but I've just been kind of doing this offering to God. C- can you talk about that relationship between suffering and this offering to God?
2: Yeah, because the reason that we distract and the reason that we like being Assaulted, uh, having our attention taken hostage, is because we don't have to pay attention yeah. to our souls. And when we do, <clears throat> what we often find there is loneliness, mm-hmm. disappointment, uh, setbacks, lost promises, broken dreams. You know, it's all there, right? Yeah. We have neglected our souls, and so it te- it tends to be that what we often encounter is something like like our suffering. Right, and in the rescue for me has been to begin to love Jesus in the midst of my suffering. I don't mean for it, because I, do, I don't think it is mostly from Him. But what I, well, I literally, I just start saying, "Jesus, I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you, Jesus." And, and the reason why is it's it's in our disappointment and it's in our suffering that we tend to make deep agreements against God and against his goodness. Mm. You're not here for me. You don't really care. You're answering other people's prayers, but not mine. You know, that's where those agreements get in. They don't get in when things are going great. They get in when you are lonely, sad, heartbroken, lost. Um, So in order to protect my soul from that, I'll just start turning my heart toward Jesus in love. And because the beautiful thing is, I need Jesus in my suffering. Mm. He he is the one who is going to help me there. And, And suffering causes you to pull away from people and from God, but to just simple step of, I love you. I actually do. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus turns your soul back to God for the care that you need in your suffering.
1: It sounds like a micro lament in some ways cuz I don't hear like I'm happy God, everything's fine God. It's like I'm reaching out to you. I need you. Uh which is what I've I've been doing guys. I'm essentially I, I guess I'm kind of in a detox from <laughs> what you're saying. Like I talk at this soul deep level as you John, but I don't know, man. The way you speak, it's is—it's like you're speaking another language, but it is the language of our hearts. And uh, I I really appreciate it. And especially what you're saying right now to my heart that I said, I can name it sad. I don't really know why it's sad. But if I can just reach out to the Lord and start there, not figure it all out, but just open up my heart to Him, He's faithful. We'll get there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you really will. The the good news is all the things that we're describing that are assaulting our souls right now, and none of it's really persecution. I mean, you're not handcuffed to it. Right. These are cho- choices we can make to begin to care for our souls. And C.S. Lewis said, the soul is the vessel that God fills. Like if you want to be filled with God, you have to take care of the vessel. You have to, you have to tend to your soul so that you can receive the more of God that everyone's
1: craving. That's it. So, your pause app, which guys, I've linked to it before on this podcast and I'll I'll refer to it again in the podcast episode notes. You talk about this phrase, you say this phrase, I give everyone and everything to you. So we just kind of went to this soul deep suffering tapping on now I'm going back up a little bit to the surface to when, you know, I picture myself driving home, back to our three kids, I have a job, we're writing a book, our life, it's insane. It literally like aside from technology, it's insane. But I've started this practice for even the eight minute drive on the way home, where I'm just saying, I give everyone and everything to you. What do you call that practice, John? What What is that?
2: So the phrase is benevolent detachment. Uh, benevolent because I'm not angry. I'm not cynical. I'm not doing it because I'm checked out. <clears throat> it's something done in kindness. It's something done in love. Detachment because your soul was never made to carry all this. We just know way too much. We're we're exposed to way too much. The pace of life is absolutely insane. The human soul is not designed for these conditions. And even in the busy moments in Jesus' life, you look in the Gospels, he's constantly disappearing. Yeah. Like, Like right there in front of me. It's the opening chapter in Mark, and the whole town shows up at the door, and Jesus is gone. And the disciples find him and they're like, hey, everyone's looking for you, which I can so relate to. It's like, yep, (laughs) that's what it feels like. Everybody (laughs) wants something. And Jesus says, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. Let's leave. Mm. His love is not captive to the drama. And so what I began to practice, what Jesus was showing me through some of the writings of the Desert Fathers and and. Actually, some of the more recent studies on attachment, um, the need to let it go, the need to turn it over every day. And, and this is this is First Peter 5, 17, right? Like, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Like, yeah. learning to say, okay, Jesus, right now, in this moment, I give everyone and everything to you. Mm. And you kind of stay with it. Like, I give everyone and everything to you and then very very specific things will start presenting themselves like your mom and the conversation you had or that email that you so want to answer you know back in a really snarky way or whatever you know this stuff will start presenting itself okay i release that i give my mom to you i give work to you i give that email to you and as you're doing this you, you are you are Taking it off of your soul and putting it into God, into His big hands, and your soul—I I tell you, gang—your soul is going to start feeling lighter the moment you begin to practice this.
1: It's true.
0: So, okay, so you're talking about you know this benevolent detachment, and and I think of you know the fact that yeah, we we have this computer in our pockets all day or in our hands all day, and. The expectation is that you don't detach from from things like work, from things like email, from things like, you know, the social media, that you are always able to be connected, that you're always plugged in, that you're always reachable. And I I guess here in 2020, when that is the kind of the the way that we are expected to be as citizens of the United States, and how how would a, a person trying to do this benevolent detachment start to order their day differently
2: well first off gang I, I just want to underscore this is actually the loving thing to do um, because the better you're the better you're doing the better you're gonna love other people yeah mm-hmm. so this isn't selfishness and this isn't you know becoming Luddites or whatever it um, some very simple practices you know uh, Laurie mentioned uh, taking taking your email off your phone. You don't need to check your email every 20 minutes. You really don't. You can you can check it every two hours, or you can check it morning, noon, and night, or what you know, you can make realistic boundaries. Mm-hmm. Don't check your phone first thing in the morning. Don't take it into your bedroom at night. And, and and in the place of these things, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take back some margin, Matt. Mm-hmm. to be human again. So what I want to ask your listeners is, what are the things you used to do that brought you life? Go do them again. <laughs> you know, was, was it music? Was it reading? Was it your bicycle that you used to love to ride? What was it? Hmm. Uh, I'll guarantee you it's gone because of the craziness of the hour. And so go back and in the space, you know, Lori's got an hour and a half of her life back. I know. <clears throat> <laughs> Go back now and do those things that once brought you life.
1: Yep. Mm. Okay. So again, the the phrase you keep saying to uh, your podcast listeners and what we title this episode, that maturity is not an option, this getting our life back, like, again, we kind of went back to the surface, like, let's put technology in its right place. Let's get our humanity back. But there's a goal in place is that we are warriors in this battle against not flesh and blood but against the evil rulers and principalities of this dark world so this isn't just let's get our brains back and so that we can all just have regular conversations that's that's 101 (laughs) like there's like 401 there's there's way more to this thing called following jesus and getting involved in this battle against not flesh and blood so can you give us some marching orders, John, just like, can you cast a vision of the benefits of becoming a mature, although in process, believer?
2: Well, let me say that the goal of human existence is union with God. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not um, faith in God. It's not worship. It's not even obedience. The goal is union.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: John 15, John 17, I pray that you would be one with me. Because if you will cultivate and fight for and defend union with God, you will become a very powerful force for the kingdom of God in this world. And the whole project, the whole enemy's design is to keep people from union with God. Mm. And, and so you can, you can do all your good things, but if you're not cultivating actual shared existence with God, one shared life, then this world will fry you, and you will blow up. You'll either you'll either blow up in a major addiction, or you'll blow up your marriage. You, you will blow up. Like, you can't—maturity is not an option because of the gnarly hour that we live in. Mm-hmm. Union with God, cultivating it as a life goal, is the invitation to the four—
1: 0 to the 4.0 and the 401 and whatever this maturity thing uh john uh thank you for being you and for seeking that union with god and for inviting us the body of christ to be one uh as the father and the son are one
2: you're very welcome honored to talk about it today
1: would you just send us off today with just either a prayer or a blessing? And then, yeah, we'll just, we're going to call it a day. Oh,
2: oh yeah. Here, here it goes, gang. This All is right. what it sounds like. All okay? right. So okay. here it is. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And, and just stay with that for a moment. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you so that I may have you yep, so that I may have union with you God, mm. heal and restore my union with you
1: mm. amen amen mm-hmm. amen and there it is guys we uh <laughs> You can see why I became a fan of his. Again, this was the first book of his I read. And again, it was just someone sending me spiritual warfare podcasts um, that we just were needing it in this Mm -hmm. biz that we're doing. But really in this whole being a Christian thing, we got to understand that there's there's more than just what we see in front of our face is going on. And so I will link to those spiritual warfare episodes. Again, they're not scary. They're very theologically rich, uh, but then just also very practical. I'll link to his new book, get your life back as well as that pause app.
0: I I feel like, we still need like 30 minutes of debrief time just to fully mm-hmm. like unpack and, and really wrestle with some of the stuff that we heard today.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. This is I'm it's literally it. it what he has been saying, his book and even the practical pieces you guys just heard. It has affected my life like you heard that hour and a half. Okay. Well, guys, if you like what you hear on this particular podcast, it means so much to us when you pop a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast or so you send us an email. Uh, it just means a lot. It just keeps us going. I'm, I'm really recognizing that this is a teaching podcast. This is not just like, a, like John was saying, this entertainment deal. We're not just doing this because it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> we get joy out of it. Uh, but we really, we, we love hearing that it matters to you. And if you guys have ideas for guests or questions of the week, we love those too. But we really just like hearing how, uh, well, just if this matters. So thanks, guys. You can email us at podcast at lauriekrieg.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-K-R-I-E-G. So we do have a question of the week for next week, which is a lot lighter. <laughs> what is your least favorite font? Yes, we know you hate some of them. I'm guessing it's Comic Sans because it looks like a kindergartner. And why? Why? So we want to talk about that as we start a new series called Our World, where we open up and the we is Matt and I open up our world with you all. But man, guys, thanks for being a part of this podcast, fam. Thank you again to John Eldridge for joining us on the show. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week.